To learn more about The Church at West Gant, visit us at www.thechurchatwg.com or visit our Facebook page, and we would love to connect with you. Have a great day. Um, I guess we will dismiss our children down to Children's Church at this time. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and flip over uh, Genesis chapter 6. Uh, we're going to start in verse 3. And we are going to talk about Noah this week. But before we get there, um, there is a, a little bit of a corrective thing that I think needs to be done um, for, him, uh, for our pastor. Uh, he is good. Uh, we love him and we care about him, but last week he failed to mention a specific college football team. And so I want to uh, just say, if you're going to say it, you got to say them all, okay? So this week, um, I, he, he must have kind of tried to correct himself and he didn't mention any of them, so I'll do that for him. Uh, of course, Clemson won, so go Tigers as always. And of course, that wonderful garnet in black he talked about, they lost, which was awesome. So, <laughs> I might have lost my opportunities to speak from here on out. <laughs> but we are going to be uh, speaking on Noah this week. Um, don't worry, we're not going to read all the way through the story of Noah. Uh, that is a lot of verses, and um, I'm a redneck boy from Piedmont, and so that's a lot of verses that I can't read right, so there you go. So we're going to hit a few of them, but just kind of a brief synopsis of uh, what took place for those who may not know in the full story of Noah. Sin had entered the world through Adam, and it had gotten to a point where it was just rampant. Everybody's heart only focused on their pleasures and only on their desires, and so God basically had enough he said, I'm going to send a flood, I'm going to destroy all of humanity um, and all of the animals and everything I've created. And he goes to do that, he sees Noah, he's going to build an ark where he is going to save at least one family, um, and that would be Noah's family, and he decides he's going to save a few of the animals too to essentially restart the world that he had created. And um, so he sends the flood, 40 days, 40 nights, they're on this ark, and then all of humanity other than them have been wiped out. All the animals other than the ones on the boat have been wiped out. And once they come off the ark, God gives them a promise, he'll never destroy the earth with a flood again. So, brief synopsis, like I said, real quick. But as far as the story of Noah goes, there's three things in particular that we need to notice this morning. And so in chapter 6, verse 3, there in Genesis, it says, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. The first thing that we need to see this morning is that our days are numbered. Our days are numbered. God, it essentially up to this point, even Noah um, going into this story, um, I believe he was about 500 when he was asked to build the ark. Um, but the day that he actually got on the ark, he was about 900 years old. Um, can you imagine living to be 900? That would be good and bad, I guess. But the sin had gotten to the point to where God said, I can't let this happen anymore. 
I cannot continue to strive with humanity forever. And so he limits the days to 120 years. What we have to understand with this is because sin is so rampant, God can't let us get past that. He can't let us get over that 120 year mark. Now, I'm not going to get into uh, why we decide, or why, why, excuse me, we don't decide. Ooh, catch my tongue. Why it happens that we, we die before that 120 years and why there may be some that live over, but our max time limit is that 120 years. We only have a certain amount of time that God is going to try to get us to surrender to him, that God is going to try to get us to follow him, that God is going to try to get us to listen to him. He said, I can't do this forever because it, once they harden their hearts, it's done. I can continue and continue, but it's just a waste. We have to understand that our, our time is limited. We have a short amount of time to respond to God. We as believers, we have to understand the truth. Yet we don't live like our time is limited. A lot of times we, we just plan stuff out for the future and we think about tomorrow like it's just a given promise that it's gonna happen. We act like, oh, I won't get it done today, I'll take care of it tomorrow. The problem is we do that with also, we also do that with people that we know that are lost, people that we know we should invite to church. And so we look and say, well, I'll do it tomorrow. We'll see somebody that's in need and, and we can't, we don't want to spend the time to do it today, but we'll take care of it tomorrow. The problem is our time is limited. Why do we not live like this? Why do we not live like we don't know when tomorrow, if tomorrow is going to be over here? We don't know if we're going to take another breath. We don't know if we're going to last another minute. We don't even know if we're going to walk out of this church service. Why are we not falling on our faces and praying and saying, God, save these people? Why are we not walking into stores and gas stations and everybody that we talk to and say, Jesus loves you and shed his blood for you? Why do we live like there's tomorrow? God has limited our time here. But it's not just our time, it's their time too. We don't know if our interaction with a person is gonna be the last interaction they may ever have. We don't know if, if the conversation that we're about to have with this person, they may not finish. So why do we not lead with Jesus? We know the truth. I wanna tell you that if you're sitting here today, God will not strive with you forever. If you don't know Jesus, don't wait. Listen, I may be up here preaching, interrupt the service. Don't hesitate. The altars are open. We have pastors here who are willing to lead you to God, to guide you through that process. Don't wait. Don't wait to think you, you can do it at the end of the service because you don't know that you'll make it there. We have to live a life that is intentional, we have to live a life where we may meet Jesus in the next breath. What would Jesus think of you if you met him in the next breath? What was your conversation like this morning with your families, 
you were getting ready for church and coming this way? What would, how was driving to church and that person cut you off as they were changing lanes or maybe they ran a red light or whatever? What was your reaction? Would you want to face Jesus with that? Say it's tomorrow. Because it's Sunday, right? We all follow Jesus on Sunday. What does it look like on Monday? What does it look like if you just stepped into work and you got the news you're about to have a really bad day? Would you want to meet Jesus in that next breath? We have to live our lives like we don't know when it's going to end. And like this breath could be the last. Our days are numbered. They're limited. The second thing that we had to see here, as we look at verse 5, it says, Then the Lord saw that... The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animal to creeping things to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. God is a God of wrath. Yesterday morning, um, it, it, it was, well, yesterday was my, my girl's birthday. And so um, we had planned out a trip to the Georgia Aquarium. And yesterday morning, we got up and my oldest said she wasn't going to go. Said she did not want to go. Said it was not going to be fun. She was not going to like it. She was not going to enjoy it. She did not want to even think about getting dressed for it. She was not going. So I sat down and I tried to reason with her. Me, knowing that she was going to love it once she actually went. I said, darling, you are going to enjoy it. You're going to love it. I don't know why you're scared. I don't know why you don't want to go. Like, come on. You're going to love it. Let's just go. Nope, ain't gonna do it. Would you call Mimi or Nani or Papa and let me stay with them? Baby, I can't do that. We've already bought your ticket. Like, we'll be wasting money. Like, you're gonna love it. You're gonna enjoy it. No, I ain't going. I will not do it. So me, being the father that I am, with all the pure patience that I have, I looked at her and finally said, you're going. The conversation's done. You don't have a choice. God is a God of wrath. And sometimes he has to look at us and say, you're going to do it. In this moment, God had reached that point. I can almost see it him sitting on his throne, man just completely disobeying him, and him just going, enough. And so he does this, and he says, I am sorry that I even create them. I'm going to wipe them out. 
I'm gonna take care of them. They're not gonna be here anymore. He's so frustrated and upset with us and our lack of surrender to him. In this moment, God, he has to pour out his wrath on man. You say, well, that sounds like God's just angry and mad. No, that's a God who is just. God is loving, God is merciful, God is caring, God is gracious. God wants us to be with him and abide with him and, and he wants to take care of us. But just as my seven-year-old, and I about said six, just as my seven-year-old did me yesterday morning, there comes a time where the only other option is correction. There's a time when the only other option to get someone to understand is punishment. It's a God who's just. Yes, he is loving. Yes, he cares about us. But he also has to lay down the law. In this moment, humanity has completely hardened their heart to God. Their only thoughts, their only desires were what the flesh was. God has tried correcting in a gentle way. He's tried having conversations. He's tried talking to them. It's not working. And he can no longer take it. So he has to pour out his wrath. As we go through our lives, we are going to slip and we are going to fail. Yes, God is gracious. Yes, God is merciful. But when we continue to fail, when we continue to harden our hearts to God, there will be punishment. It's not one of those things that preachers like to get up here and talk about because punishment's never fun, right, from God. But we have to understand that he is completely capable of it and that he is willing to use it when he has to. God loves us. God cares for us. He is our heavenly father and just like any earthly father, he has to correct us. We should have a fear of God. No, not one that thinks that he's going to pour down rain because it's raining outside today and he's going to flood the earth. Not one where we, we have to worry that he's going he's to throw down fire and brimstone and destroy us. Not one of that, but the one that he is capable of. We should respect him. We should fear him in an honorable fear knowing that, yes, he loves and cares for us, but, yes, he is capable of destruction. When it comes to God, we have to understand he has wrath and he will punish. The last thing we've got to see here is God keeps his promises. If we look at verse 8, it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I used to always think of that as like, Noah's just a really good dude. And like, apparently God's like looking at the earth and we all like, you're either red or green. You know, how many of you ever seen X-Men, Dr. or Professor X when he's sitting in cerebral and he's got that helmet on. You see all the little white, little like ghost people, I guess. 
Like that's the way I used to think of that, right? Like God's looking down on us and you're either like red or green, like red, bad, green, good, right? And so everybody was red except for like this one dude like Noah and he was green. And so God's like, ah, well, he's green. So like we'll, we'll find favor in him. But what I have to understand is God made a promise. He made a promise way back when when Adam and Eve sinned. He promised Eve that there would, there would be one who would come from her seed. And so in this moment, God remembers his promise. God could have wiped out all of humanity. God could have wiped out all of creation. God could have just done away with it all. But we couldn't believe him in his promise. And so in this moment, there has to be a remnant. There has to be a, 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 at least one that continues on in the line. And so he looks down and he sees Noah. Now, yes, Noah might have been the only green person when God looked down amongst the red, sea of red people. But the only reason Noah was saved is because God made a promise. Yes, Noah was doing what he was supposed to. But the promise was there that somebody had to continue on. He could not destroy it all. There had to be that last bit of hope. Whenever God's people came into a time when they might get completely wiped out, there's always a remnant. There had to be that line. There had to be that place where you could trace them all the way back to Jesus. God's gonna leave that remnant there until the time of restoration. God makes a promise to us, he's gonna keep it. We don't only see that promise there uh, as we see this remnant, we see it at the end, right, with the rainbow. God says he won't destroy the earth with a flood anymore. And so we see the rainbow. There's many promises across the Bible that God has kept. When God tells you he's gonna do something, he's gonna do it. There was a time of redemption. When Jesus came to this earth, there is going to be a time of restoration, this doesn't just affect us as a whole, it also affects us personally. If Jesus has promised you something, he's gonna keep it. As we see the, the story of Abraham that we'll be talking about in a few weeks, God kept his promise. We can trust God. If we lay something on him, we can trust him. He's going to do what he says he will. God will not fail us. So how do we use this? When we have sin in our lives, God will try to connect us, to correct us, excuse me, but only for so long. If you're living in sin and you're continuing to stay in it and you're continuing to think, well, it's just this little thing, God's going to convict you of it. But one day he's gonna let you have it. When you choose sin over him, he can only convict you for so long. 
It's my dog chews on everything. She mainly likes socks, right? Which is terrible because then you got one holy sock and one unholy sock. I have done everything I could think of. Hot sauce. I've, I've uh, you know, whipped her. I've, you know, tried all kinds of different stuff and does not work. So finally, I did everything I possibly could and I just went out and built a new clothes hamper so she couldn't get into it. I could only do so much with her until it was finally, it was enough. When we live a life that's full of sin, God's going to do everything that he can to correct us, but at some point it's gonna be enough and he has to wash his hands of it. We should always understand that when we get that correction from God, when we, when we get that conviction, it's to turn back to him. Sin, as once described by a pastor friend of mine, is choosing full bellies over future promises. We have to understand that when we choose sin over God, we're choosing momentary things that won't last. That God wants to give us more. So in his convictions, in his punishments for corrections, he's doing it because he's got something better for us. We have to understand that sin in our lives hinders and stops us from fulfilling the promises that he has given us and in turn doesn't give God the glory he deserves. When we have that sin in our life that we refuse to give up, it hinders God from getting the glory. It hinders us from fulfilling our purpose. Imagine just a moment, Jesus, he comes to this earth, he lives his life, and yet he sins. It's failed his promise. He can't be the perfect sacrifice. It stops his purpose. When we have sin in our life, it does the same thing for us. Pastors, deacons, church members, When's the last time you heard something good on the news about them? But when something come, bad comes out, people don't want to trust. They don't want to listen. We have to realize that that sin will hinder and stop us. The last thing we have to realize, if we refuse to surrender to God's correction, he will show wrath and there will be punishment he will allow another to rise up and fill our purpose and take our blessing. Like I said, at some point, the only option is punishment. Now, I'm not saying that God's gonna take and wipe you off this planet just as he did here in the story of Noah. I'm not saying that he's going to take your life but what I am saying is he's going to place another in your position. He's going to give someone else your purpose and they're going to receive your blessing. There will be punishment. There will be correction. 
So in closing, what do we have to understand? What do we get out of this? Well, first off, we should live our life like there's no tomorrow. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you may not get to walk out of this place. You've made it this far. Do you really want to test it any further? If there's someone that you know that they just don't seem to be living in the way they should, your expert opinion makes you believe that they're not saved. Are you gonna live a life where you can give them a little bit more time or are you gonna come up here today and lay them all out before God? Pray for them. And then as you leave, maybe even call them. For some of you, you've been living a life that's, yeah, you, you follow God, but you got something going on in your life that is hindering you. There's sin there. And you need to lay that down today. You need to lay it out before him, before the punishment. Before he has to get to a point of wrath. And so the altar's open for you. Some of you, you may not really be able to lean into that promise that God made you. There's something going on, whatever it is, I don't know, that's between you and God. But you're just not trusting that promise quite as much as you used to. And so for you today, it's just to come down here and say, God, I, I, I'm, I'm here. I believe it. I know that you're gonna, God of promises, that you're gonna keep your promises and you're gonna pr take care of me and you're gonna get all the glory from it. And so I just wanna, I wanna say, I'm gonna let whatever is holding me back from that promise just go. I'm gonna give it to you. None of that may be you, but you got something in your life that you need to talk about, you need to pray about, you need somebody to pray with you about. We're going to sing a song. Whatever work you need to do with God, the altar's open. I'll be here, Pastor Chris. If you need to pray or you need to speak to somebody, we're here for you. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you for all the blessings you pour out on us. Dear God, I thank you for this story of Noah where we can look at it and we can, we can see that yes, you love us, and yes, you care for us, and yes, you provide a way for us, but that you will do what you have to to mold us into the person you want us to be. That you will try and strive with us and help correct us, but at some point there is an end that we should be aware of. Dear God, I, I just... I hope that if there's one here today who doesn't know you, that, that you will convict them, that you will give them the strength and the courage that as we go into this time of invitation that they will respond. I ask you to, to allow us, if we need to do work with you, to, to, to put the, the worry that we may have about what people say or, or how they'll look at us or or, or the fear that we might have in that, just put it behind us and realize that ultimately the only person that we should be worried about is you. Dear God, we always want to thank you for your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.